Time is running out for the planet Earth. It's impervious to all voices. There's an intriguing sensation. It's a nuclear device. Fun, fun, fun! Yes, that's nice. Statistically speaking, of course, it's still the safest way to travel. It belongs to a creature from outer space. It's a bird! It's a plane! It's very important. It does not know you. It's a trap! Hi, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of Geek Shell Inherit. I'm Daniel Pickett. And I'm Jason Lindsay. And this is, it's almost like Christmas Eve for us, I think. This is episode 99. I know. It's scary, huh? <laughs> it is a little scary. Don't we hit 100 and then don't we go into syndication? Oh, oh, that's a great idea. Isn't that where we start making the money? Oh, I hope so. I think we do. I think once we get 100 episodes, we can now take it to markets around the country, say, right. hey, who, who wants to play at any time during the day? And it's in, officially in syndication. I, th- I think we should make that happen. Mm-hmm. That will double our uh, amount of income coming from this. Yes. <laughs> from nothing to, to maybe something? 50 cents? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're right on the cusp. And of course... The mailbags at uh, GSI Central have just been overflowing. The post office can't keep up with all the letters and and ideas and and pictograms coming in from postcards, postcards, panties, panties, spirograph drawings coming in from all the fans coming up with suggestions uh, of what we should do for the 100th episode. I'm I'm kind of shocked that such a heavy percentage involved panties that have come through the mail uh it shouldn't be that's within this suggestion but um you know great minds you know exactly same page um but we've narrowed it down to a couple of things if we can pull this off um and there may be cake that's all i'm gonna say Mm, i do love cake you know there may be cake so um it should be happening sometime in the next six months we should have a hundred (laughs) episodes Right. It all comes together, and um, yes. we'll keep you posted on that. Yes, yes, yes. But here we are. It'll be coming when you least expect exactly. it. Exactly. In the summer. Um, <laughs> here we are. It is post-Toy Fair. You made it out and made it back in one piece. Yes. Uh, at least I, 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 I assume you're telling me you're in one piece. I'm in one piece, yep. We we managed to, there was uh plenty of weather this year with polar vortexes and, and that sort of thing, but we this year uh was a much easier transition uh in and out. We we missed the weather on sort of either side of our travels. Uh there was plenty of snow there and plenty of cold and it was pouring rain the day we left. But uh all in all a great, great show. Got to see a lot of people, a lot of cool stuff, and uh, just just really had a ball. Oh great. So it was like the less stressful toy fairs of old. Yes, correct. For me, anyway. I don't know about the people selling their stuff. It might have been super stressful for them. But for me, walking around, interviewing, taking pictures, uh, it was fantastic. Oh, great. That's great. That's like your big, your big winter vacation for you. Yes, that's right. And, uh, and then what are you excited about? We should roll right into that. Okay. Uh, this is something that actually was announced the, maybe the, the day or two before Toy Fair. It's something I knew about ahead of time, but couldn't talk about, but, uh, DC collectibles, uh, are doing Batman, the animated series in the six inch scale as sort of, uh, hyper articulated figures. 
and they're doing a very interesting uh, sort of release pattern with it, where they, you know they've got the rights to. You remember the Batman animated series was in several different incarnations. Right. There was Batman animated series, the New Adventures of Batman and Robin, Batman and Superman. That, so they've got access to all that stuff. Uh, and right now they are looking at like the first wave will be four figures. Three of them will be based on the the '97 animated series, which was the New Adventures of Batman and Robin, where they went through some redesigns. And then the the fourth figure in that wave will be Catwoman from the 92 series, the original version. And then the next wave, they'll flip it, where it'll be three from 92 and one from 97. So we're going to be able to get all these sort of designs. They've got, they're telling us that they've got waves, like 10 waves or something planned out. Uh, and they just look beautiful. And they are taking this so seriously. They've got Paul Dini and Bruce Tim involved in it. They are making sure that they're not doing anything from like the style guides, which kind of got watered down. They're going back to the original like turnaround art for all the characters. They're really trying to nail this accessories. Uh, there might be like changeable hands and stuff, but uh, they, they look beautiful in that scale and, you know, getting them with you, because you remember like the, the Hasbro and the Kenner ones, that sort of five point of articulation. Some of them had sort of hinky poses and stuff. Mm -hmm. None of that is here. These are all just beautiful sculpts that you're going to be able to pose. And they're just awesome. And I, I could not be more excited for this line. Yeah. I'll tell you that that's the, one of the few things that excited me coming out of toy fair was seeing that. Cause I love those shows. I love those toys, those action figures. And you know, you know how long it took for you to get from, you know, the very first Batman figure in 92 to get to Rachel Ghoul in, you know, whenever it was, whatever series that was down the road. Um, and they and it, all in that animated style. You know, if you wanted to just get all these characters, of course, there were eight million, you know, Batman and, and Superman, Robin variations and stuff. But that core collection that came out, uh, those first, you know, 10 or 12 characters is one of the best action figure lines ever put out i think um and it was just so exciting it just came out of nowhere you know after the the second batman film to have such a cool announcement with this animated series and stuff um so that that's exciting that would be a cool that would be a cool bunch of uh bunch of figures to get because there's a huge following for that that style because yeah. aren't there aren't there kubricks that are sort of in that in the animated style that of different, of several of the different characters from that those series. Uh, there are, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but you know, those are imports and tough to get, yeah. and th there's not a lot of them. So yeah, this will be cool. That that's a great uh, that was a great piece I saw out of there. Because they only showed didn't they only show Batman and Catwoman on display, or did they have? So far, they've only shown those two. They right. said that the other two, I think, is Two Face and Mister Freeze. Wow, are, are the other ones in that first wave? So great. I'm sure we'll see more uh, at Comic-Con. Yeah, yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited about that, too. Very cool. Um, well, I guess I should be a little self-serving and talk about how excited I am about the Twilight Zone figures that Biff Bang Pow put on display um, at Toy Fair. The the retro-style figures. You know, five points of articulation, three and three-quarter three three inch uh, figures. Um, very much in style with like the Star Wars and the reaction stuff that's that's coming out, um, and we you know threw our hat in that ring and made uh, made Twilight Zone style black and white paint schemes, um, you know with full likenesses and everything, 
and people are really freaking out. We're, I'm getting, we're getting a lot of nice notes from people um, saying how cool they think they are and that they're going to pick up everyone and what a nice surprise and so on. So uh, it's nice that we could do a little something like that to kind of turn some heads because sometimes, I, you know, as fun as stuff is from Toy Fair, I do get the sense of same old, same old, been there, done that to a lot of the properties. And it's just, it's just part of it's a nature of – you know, what's out there in cells and, and, you know, the movies that are out and, and so on. But the days of like getting really excited about weird stuff that comes out of Toy Fair, um, it doesn't really happen that often. So like that, that one, those DC figures, the articulated ones was, was a real shock. Like, uh-huh. what is that? You know, it gets everyone talking and that's kind of what we were trying to do with the Twilight Zone figures. So hopefully those will lead to many, many more and more of our licenses that we can sort of play with in that, uh, in that scale. Yeah. Cause they're, you know, they're a great price point. They're, you know, super fun. You think about being able to put like those classic Twilight Zone characters with your, your old Remco universal monsters and, you know, the stuff that Funko is doing with reaction and things like that. I mean, it's just that, and like I said, when I talked about like the the Zyka six million dollar man, I was surprised how much nostalgia sort of washed over me uh, opening those guys, and and how delighted I was with them. You know, I I got the uh, the reaction aliens, but I haven't opened them yet because I only have the early bird kit. So uh, I actually opened the six million dollar man ones, and and it was it was just great. So seeing those Twilight Zone ones is just like that's fantastic. You know? Oh, great! Yeah, it's funny because. You know, you're always kind of questioning the the black and white paint scheme because you're just never quite sure how it's gonna how it's gonna go. Or it's like people would say, "Oh, I'd rather have the prop," and you know, if, as if it could exist in this world, yada yada. But then when they see them, it's just almost like it's just such a marriage between Twilight Zone and black and white that there's no there's no questioning it. It's just like, oh yeah, that that's exactly what that you know. They look at them and they, and they just think they walked out of the show, kind of. Or in right. the show, and um, it seems to work just fine. People seem to to respond to it just fine. So uh, we're getting a lot of good early word on on that stuff. So that was cool. And I think too, you, I mean, we should mention also the announcement that also came out just the day before uh, about the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. You guys doing that because I mean that, that's huge. You're getting mini mates. You're getting three and three quarter inch scale figures with these little pop up diorama. Yep. Uh, cards that's you know that's super fun you're getting more of the the eight inch mego scale you know like sheldon and all his different shirts and things so yeah. uh you know it's it's the number one show on tv right now that's not a sports program and that's 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 a huge feather in your guys cap yeah thanks i mean uh yeah we um we can all we also are able to kind of play because of the nature of the network and other properties that they've played with within the show we're kind of able to play here and there with iconic characters or iconic logos on clothing and things like that. Right. Um, I won't say much more than that, but there could be some really cool stuff that's that's coming with, especially with the the eight inch retro uh, style figures. Well, you guys did show uh, uh, at least card art or uh, uh, an illustration of the characters in Star Trek uniforms. Yeah. at the show, which that you know, how fun is yeah, that? Yeah, we had the. Because they actually appeared on the show in Star Trek. Exactly. Most of I think them. we had those uh, the actual prototypes on display at Comic Con last year. Oh yeah, that's I think right. We did, unless I'm wrong, but I, th- I think I think we might have, which got people talking already. Um, but it's just you know trying to trying to get a little marriage going of those guys, their geek obsessions, and 
stuff that the larger world kind of finds iconic and can play with. And uh, I think we can do it here and there with that, you know? Absolutely, yeah. But yeah, those were those were a couple of big big ones for us. And we're talking about other licenses and other other possibilities uh, as we speak. Uh, not easy with the field out there and the crazy crazy numbers that get thrown around sometimes. But we're pushing for a couple more things to, to happen. So watch this space. Excellent. We'll see. Uh, you have been very busy in the pop culture front. Um, we can talk about some. You've been watching a lot of movies, it seems. Um, but we should guess we should talk about some of the casting news. We finally got our first official, I think, official casting notice piece of news from Star Trek Episode Seven. It's it's somewhat official. They they're saying he's in talks, but you know every single person in the world, every outlet picked this up. So uh, I think Variety was on the broke the news, but so it sounds sounds like there's definitely a strong possibility. So, your favorite show? I thought this was your favorite show, and mine, Girls. Yes, uh, from the show HBO series Girls. Uh, a guy called Adam Driver is supposedly our big baddie, the big Star Wars villain in Star Wars Episode Seven: The Return of the Shite. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I don't know. That doesn't. I, I'm, not, I'm not. That doesn't excite me. I don't think he's bad or anything. But, um, uh, you know, fine. I guess that show just leaves such a bad taste in my mouth. Well, there, he was. Uh, he was also in like Inside Llewellyn Davis, right? He was, and I haven't seen that, so I'll give him, okay, give him a break on that. But, uh, but it's cool that at least we're hearing something, which means we may hear a little more here and there. Yeah. Um, I just hope. I'm going to go on the record and say I just hope that they get Harrison Ford to grow his hair out a little bit <laughs> to make it look a little more Han Solo-ish. Solo-ish. When it's time for those first images, I want the hair a little more shoulder length, a little over, okay. little over the ears to make it feel like the Han of yesterday. Right, right. As opposed to this, this short crop that he's been sporting in most of the last 10 movies he's done. The Han of 30 years later. Yes, exactly. Did you see Ender's <laughs> Game, by the way? I have not yet. Okay. Did you see I it? I did. And? Uh, you know, I mean. Is it worth seeing? It's. I mean, not real. I mean, you can rent it. It's fine. I guess I, I don't. I see it, and I don't quite understand why this book was such a, a radical, runaway hit necessarily. You know, but what do I know? I'm still reading Encyclopedia Brown Adventures. And, but wasn't it like a hit with kids? Like, like kind kids, of the tweens, uh, teens. Yeah. Yeah. So not so much. Huh? I don't know. It just didn't. Um, I faded in and out, sort of. Okay. And Ford's playing a kind of a slightly different character. He's a little more gruff. You don't know what his motivations are. Um, but I just didn't find it that interesting, unfortunately. Huh. But uh, but yeah. But speaking of movies, other yes. things. Let's talk about a couple of super cool trailers. I think that came out the Godzilla trailer, the official new Godzilla trailer. Yep, we got a teaser trailer, but now with that didn't have any sort of dialogue in it initially. But now we've had uh, the full trailer, full trailer that has dialogue, and you see characters and stuff running and getting blown up, and and a very angry giant lizard. And basically, the end of the world is what it looks like. Yes. Like he's just going to. T- he probably has just a toothache. You know, he's probably just got a terrible toothache, and he's trying to find a dentist in the village that can take him 
and he's just, you, right. know, you know, when you're in pain like that and you're walking around, it's like you're stumbling a bit. Well, imagine if you're as big as he is. This, this right. could all just be a terrible misunderstanding. I hope that is the plot. Of you it. know, I, I always thought that Gojira was bad once and then he sort of became good. Didn't he become good after a while? Uh, well, he certainly was good in the cartoon with him and Godzuki. He's definitely good in the cartoon with Godzuki. But uh, I think he, you know, we used to call on him. It used to be, holy shit, here he comes. He's going to break everything. Please, please don't break anything. And then they, when, you know, all, when the other, the other baddies started to come around that were worse than Godzilla, we began to call him for help. Right. Sort of like Gamera was the friend to all children. Kind of, yes. And Godzilla would come back yawning and saying, what do you want? Oh, you, let me get this straight. I was just here. You shot the crap out of me. And now you've got a problem with this giant mollusk over here that's attacking Tokyo, and you want me to fight it? Okay, yeah, fine. And he was, and then, and then of course at the end, the military would always kind of go at him, and he'd he'd go back to the sea, dejected, with a tear coming down his eye. Totally, yeah. You know, and the kids would go, "No, Gojira, don't go." And he would, uh, he'd have to say bye, talk to the talk to the grownups. They're messing it all up. That's right. It's like we can't have nice things. Can't have nice things. I gotta, I gotta get back. <laughs> And how how did we call him? Like Mothra, there were those creepy twins that would sing to him. But how do we, how do we get Godzilla on the horn to get him to to come there back? There was a uh, a signal in the sky. <laughs> the Godzilla the signal? Godzilla signal. It was it was uh, his his head. The kaiju, the kaiju signal. How did we get him? I don't remember. I think there was a shell. I think it was a conch shell. They blow into a conch. Yeah, shell. it was a it was passed around, or was it one of those men groups? Were they the drumming circle? <laughs> they left a light on in the lighthouse. Left a light like on? A candle yeah, that's a good question. I don't, I don't remember how we used to I can't talk. remember. I can't either. Maybe it was like just they, they put in those annoying like dog whistle sonic you know, vibration sounds in the water to just blow his head off to get him to come to the surface. I don't They weren't very nice. What? What? What do you need? They weren't very nice to him, I'll tell you. No, they weren't. But the one that I was excited about, and I seem to be in the minority the more people I talk to, but I thought it was fun – and it did exactly as they say. It did exactly what it said on the tin. Was Guardians of the Galaxy? You know, people that didn't like that. I, I have talked to a few people that thought, "Eh, what's the? Eh, I don't know." Oh, my and gosh. I was like, the... "Well, did, I, not that I found it fall down funny. You know, I didn't. I didn't like laugh out loud and fall down. Ugh, hilarious! What a hilarious three moments of footage." But I, I thought it did a very good job of, in 20 seconds, telling you if, – if you didn't know anything about who these guys were or what this project was, but you were a fan of the Marvel stuff, it told you in 20 seconds that this was not going to be like the stuff you've seen before, right. period. Yeah. And it was going to be something different. And God bless them for making a Guardians of the Galaxy movie and making something different. I think it's time to, to try something like this. You know, and I thought it was I thought it was delightful. Did you see the uh, the official poster that was released the next day? The the Hasbro one? No, no the 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 one for the film. I think I did. So it was just you know it said Guardians of the Galaxy. It had a picture of the whole cast kind of standing on a rocky mountain top, and it said the date of when it's going to be released, and then it just said you're welcome. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, that's great. I think you need. I think you need some of that. Some of that Tony Stark, you know, snarkiness into some of these characters. And I'm excited to see where this goes because I don't know a lot about Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't. I 
you know, remember some of the books and I remember Rocket Raccoon, especially like in the mid eighties and stuff. So I'm catching up here and there, but I don't know a ton about these guys. Well, it was announced today that Rocket's getting his own, uh, comic book series, solo comic book series. It's going to come out before the film. But yeah, it, it, everyone at, at, at Toy Fair was just awash in this and just loved it. You know, Hasbro's very excited about it. The, the guys at Marvel, who have read the script and seen stuff are like, it's, it's nothing else you've seen before, but it, you know, it's, it's some of their favorite films, uh, out of, out of the Marvel studios. So that's, that's high praise indeed. So I, I'm very curious to see it. And, uh, you know, it's great, great cast, uh, a lot of fun. And, you know, like you said, it's, it's going to be very different. It's not, that's my thing. It's going to be, look at, to me, I look at that and at it's very worst. It's going to be, uh, it could be a misjudged failure or something, and maybe they'll try it a little different the next time around. But I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they've got this so well figured out that uh, that that's not going to happen. That they're they're right. smart enough about it, and that's not going to happen. Um, yeah, I think it looks, I think it looks fun. There's some, there's some fun stuff in there. Um, and also back to Thor two. Have you seen Thor two? Yeah, I saw it before. Did you, you happen to see the the extra? Uh, I have not seen the 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 uh, Mandarin oh, thing wait. yet. I think it's leaked online. I You've got to see this Mandarin. Check that out because it just came out on DVD this week. Because as good as the movie – and the movie's good. I didn't I, – I thought the first one was better. The movie's – Really? I like the second one better. Yeah, I just – I felt like they wasted Eccleston's character completely. Like he's okay. there. They build him up and then suddenly he's not there for the longest time and you go, oh, hey, let's punch him in the – kick him in the stomach and he's fucking dead. Um that kind of bummed me out, but then just the the climax just didn't kind of fit. I didn't think. And anyway, when you see this this Mandarin thing, it's like eight nine minutes long. For my money, it's it's almost better than the film itself. Wow! And it's a very different kind of Marvel one shot. Uh, so it's like that kind of made me think. Well, if you know that can work the way it does, then why can't the Guardians thing work? Like that 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 should be. That should be fun, and they're clearly taking it very seriously. You know, that's just that's so fun that they're even doing those sorts of things, and that they're getting you know a bunch of the actual cast back together to do uh, to, to do things of that nature. I, I just love that, and no one else is doing that. And I love that they're able to even just the, how nicely it works that they're able to use the term Marvel one shot. Right, it's so cool, you know. Yeah, and they really, I mean, it's every little bell and whistle. And just when you think the winking isn't enough, here comes another wink, you know, and it's, it's really, really well thought out. And uh, this is this is probably the best one so far, I think. So I'm very curious to hear what you uh, what you think. Well, I'll watch it before the hundredth episode. You think I will. So we can talk I'll about make it? it. I'll make it. I'll make it my mission. Yes. OK. What else we got? <clears throat> Uh, well, in other Marvel casting news, or just shortly after the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer came out, they announced the cast of the Fantastic Four, which is not a Marvel Studio film. Uh, the Marvel doesn't have the rights back to that yet. So, and that that sort of all the goodwill garnered by how awesome is Guardians of the Galaxy sort of turned the next day. It felt like uh, people upset about this newly announced cast. Yeah. Yeah, I hate to be 
look, I mean, maybe it'll end up being a great Fantastic Four movie. Right. Uh, as it stand, as it sits right now, I have no interest in it. Okay. Absolutely no interest. There's plenty of other stuff that that interests me. That um, that and 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 Superman, Batman is quickly quickly turning into not only a Justice League movie, but quickly batting a thousand at like <laughs> how how not to cast a superhero movie. Right. So I'm further and further away from that one as well. But yeah, this Fantastic Four just doesn't. See, I didn't really, I didn't care for Chronicle. You know, okay. when you throw that into the mix, and then you throw in the casting into the mix, you go, oh, I see what you're trying to do. I see what this might be. It's like the line from A to B is very short. Let's take everybody there, so it's easy to get through their brains what this what this machine is going to be. And the same thing with casting. What's his butt is Lex Luthor. You know, Jesse oh, Jerry. Yeah, I mean, yeah. people have seen him in loads of stuff, but the thing that he's most known for now, because it was this huge movie, is The Social Network. And, you know, that's that's pretty much all they have to say. Like, we're going to pick this guy. Oh, that's who Luthor is going to be. He's yeah. going to be that kind of a kind of an Internet impresario or something. So the, the cast is Michael B. Jordan. Uh, who will be Johnny Storm, who is an African-American actor, uh, Miles Teller, Kate Mara, who people will know from House of Cards, and Jamie Bell. That's, that's Jamie your, Bell uh, I'm okay cast. with. You know, I have to say, Kate Mara I haven't seen in, in much, but what I've seen her in, she has about as many expressions as Rom the Space Knight. <laughs> her mouth moves open and closed. And her eyes blink. Right. And none more so obvious than on House of Cards. Right. Because I've seen the first three or four episodes of House of Cards. Uh, I won't tell you just quite quite how annoying she is in in that series. You're talking about season two Season two now, yeah. That was just released, yeah. But uh, now, what, what is Jamie Bell in that I would know? Jamie Bell is uh, Billy Elliot. Oh, look, little Billy Elliot. Oh yeah. And he was in King Kong, and he was in um, Jumper, that time travel thing with Hayden Christensen. He's been in. Um, oh, he's been in loads of stuff, but he's, he's okay. all grown up now. Right. And he's actually in Lars von Trier's uh, Nymphomaniac. He's a character in that too. Does he still dance like the wind? He he can dance with his pants off. Yeah. What? Which you'll see in Nymphomaniac, by the way. Now, uh, I I didn't see Chronicle either, but I've seen other things. Uh, Michael B. Jordan's in. Uh, you know, he was he was very very good in Friday Night Lights. Uh, he had a great run in Parenthood and stuff. So I, I think he's a terrific actor. Okay. It seems very strange to me. Uh, you know, I know they're going for more sort of the ultimate Fantastic Four for this film, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to you know the the original Kirby Stanley version. Right. Uh, but it just it's and I don't mind the casting the the cross race casting of him. But I think if you're going to do that, you should probably make Sue Storm uh, African American as well. Kinda, yeah. It does seem stunt if you don't if you don't do something like that or explain away. The relationship, and again, that's not. I don't have. A, I don't have an issue with any of that stuff. I just think, you know, they all seem like they're around twelve. Yeah, it's got a very chronicle sort of sort of feel to it. 
Um, and I don't think it's going to be shot the way Chronicle is, but Chronicle's whole thing is it was all found footage. Right. And right. They're, they're just there simply reaches a point in watching this film where you just go, OK, the first you know, two weeks of finding this power and kind of going here and going, oh, look what we can do. We can lift a can. You know, you would be with your buddy with a little mini cam filming this shit and then looking at it later words, afterwards. But then would you have another camera on the two of you while you watch it? And then would you have another camera that like followed you into the store when you you know broke in? Like it gets to a point where you go, who's where are all these cameras coming from? <laughs> They're filming every single thing and every single conversation that happens in this film. And it's just not, it's just impossible. And I, I start to find it so distracting and so ridiculous that it takes me completely out of, you know, some decent things that were done in the movie and some decent effects. It takes me right out of there. It's that yeah. anal retentive, like, how can somebody hold a camera that long? You know, that kind of stuff. Well, that's sort of all of reality TV to me also. You know, it's it's, it's sort of like when you see someone knock on a door and they act like they're surprised, but there's a camera inside their house yeah, oh, already, yeah, you know, filming from that angle. Come on and look at my toys. Yeah. What are you doing here? Yeah. It's all, it's all completely manufactured. If that, yeah. if that whole duck dynasty hasn't like, if that whole thing wasn't able to put a crimp in any of this stuff, then nothing will. <laughs> that is, you true. know what I mean? That they've been able to go, <laughs> Hey, Hey America, not only do they not look like these guys and are not these guys, this is who they really are. Every single piece, every moment that you see in this show is scripted. Oh, There's yeah. not one, one thing left to chance. And that's pretty much 99% of the crap that's out there. Yeah. It's just, you know, and I've, I've certainly been there where you've had to say, can I get you to say that one more time with just a bit more of a tear in your eye? What you, just said, you, know? <laughs> uh, you say that to me a lot when we record this. I do. I do. Um, but let's get to some things that you watched that I watched that we can finally talk about. Okay. I'm going to go in reverse. You watched Enough Said. I did. So, that, yeah, that basically, you know, I went to New York and back. Uh, I flew on United, and I flew on one of their, their larger nonstop planes, and so they've got monitors in the back of the seats, and they've just got, like, 200 movies that are free. Yeah. So I had, like, a two five-and-a-half-hour flight, so I'm just watching movies like crazy. Nice. So, yeah, so Nuff Said, which was uh, James Gandolfini's last film. What did you think of that? I, I, thought it was, I thought it was delightful. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, nice. It was. Didn't it, didn't it actually make, bring a little bit of a tear to your eye? Uh, it did, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a sweet movie, and it, it's, it's so, you know, it just it shows what a terrific actor he is because uh, sort of a big chunk of the movie is about, you know, a man getting his heart broken. Yeah. And, and getting able to see, and he actually says, you actually broke my heart. Yeah. You know, you, you get to see that vulnerability and, and something you don't, you know, you don't think of Tony Soprano yeah. being able yeah. to do necessarily. So Very it's, different it's, for him. Kind of, kind of similar for her with the neuroses. Um, that's Julie Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah. Is the other and then, um, you know, Catherine McCormick. Catherine McCormick? Uh, Catherine Keener, Catherine right? Keener. Yep. who is in every one of Nicole uh, Holof Center's movies. She's the writer-director. She seems to pop up in every one of her movies. Uh, is great. Is this kind of new-agey, you know, granola-ish, you know, character that's becoming friends with her. And it just, when, when some of the, the bombshells kind of drop, you're like, oh, my gosh, didn't see that coming. Like, I didn't, I didn't know any of that stuff. Um, but it just was, I just thought it was a nice, you know, tender a sweet kind of adult movie that you don't get that much. 
Completely agree. You know? um, then you saw This Is The End. Yes. Which was not The World's End, the Simon Pegg, Edgar Wright, no. Go To The Pubs. This Is The End with Seth Rogen. Let's just, why don't we just say with Seth Rogen and all of his friends. That's right. Why bother yes. going to the cast? Yeah. Seth Rogen and all of his friends. Uh, what did you think of that? Uh, it was cute, but it was a lot of the same thing for a long time. I couldn't agree more. It had me going the first 10 or 15 minutes. And then you know what? Remember how we talked about Ricky Gervais? How there's a fine line between acting the Ricky Gervais thing. The, you know, there's a fine line between when he takes the hat off or whatever. Is he really that guy? Is he really that self-centered or that, right. that you know – egotistical or, you know, taking shots at people. Is it part of the act? There are so many fine lines that he does in, in stand-up and in interviews and, you know, even that Muppet thing where he was with Elmo, who, you know, rest in peace, Elmo. Yes. Where he was like, and I'm here and I'm doing it and I'm not getting paid. How come I'm not getting paid? Everybody else is getting paid. Why am I not getting paid? And it's like he's, you know, he's being silly about it, but there, is there maybe just a tiny speck in the back of his brain that's going, I should be getting paid for this bit, you know? I don't know how much is the act and how much is in, you know, whatever. With with this whole, like, don't we have it good? You know, we all came up, we all made it good, you know? Seth Rogen and and uh, James Franco and and uh, what's the other one? Who's the other one that's in it? There's Craig Robinson. Craig Robinson. And, uh... Danny McBride, Jonah Hill. I mean, they're all just yeah. talking about the money that they've made and projects that they've done, and they've all just got a really, 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 really good life. I mean, but I mean, they—they they are, you know, they're poking a lot of fun. Like nobody wants to see Pineapple Express two, clearly, uh, and just you know how worthless they are in a crisis. Yeah, you know, uh, and playing Michael Sarah completely against his type. That's kind of funny. That that was funny. That was funny. But, and there was uh, someone, I think, yeah. and the other one was Hermione. Uh, yeah, she was in the the beginning. Yeah, that's right. Hermione shows up and, and and genuinely kicks ass. Yeah, that was good. Um, but yeah. it just it lost me. I mean, I was good for like twenty thirty minutes, and then I just kind of didn't, didn't care. Yeah, you know, it was kind of fine on a plane, but at some point you're like, okay, yeah, I get it. Uh, all is lost. I thought was, yes was was pretty fucking harrowing. Now, how can you like All is Lost, but you did not like Gravity? Because All is Lost, I felt like I was in there with him. That's what Gravity's like. No. You cannot separate those two. Gravity, to me, feels like a CGI fest. It does not feel – the time that she got into the one capsule, the time that she got into the other one where she's sitting with Clooney, and some of the other stuff, I felt like I was there with her. But a a lot of that movie – when she's floating around out in space, I can't tell if that's her or a computer-generated image of her. When I see Redford in this thing, he's, he's out there. He's in the water, you know, getting wet, getting cold, doing these things on his own with a minimal crew. And there were, you know, some horror stories where he almost went under a couple of times and, and they didn't get him. So that, that's totally different to me. He's, I feel like he's right there. There's no stunt double. He's, he's doing the majority of this stuff. I enjoyed both films, but they're the exact same film. Uh, kinda, except Redford's better. <laughs> okay, and there's no George Clooney. It's just and Redford. it's just Redford. It would be funny if Clooney suddenly showed up in the life raft and said, "Hey, <laughs> I would like that." Who are you trying to get home to? Remember who you're trying to get home to? 
Maybe they'll do that in the, like the Oscar opening. This yeah, weekend. that'd be good. They'll mesh those two together. Um, uh, Captain Phillips? Yes. That, uh, you know, with the, the Tom Hanks in the boat and the, the based old, on a true story. Think of the old captain. Uh, that that had some harrowing moments, too. It sure did. Uh, you know, and I, it, that was not a movie that I was really thrilled about watching, necessarily. Right. It was just like, oh, man, i got to go see Captain Phillips. I love Tom Hanks. Yes. Uh, I think he does a great job. You know, we all kind of knew the story already. But, yeah, there were some moments in there. And the, and the, and the actors that they got to play the Somali pirates oh, God. were amazing. Fantastic, yeah. They were they – because were, you knew they weren't actors. Right, you know, they yeah. Were just, they were just great. What was the movie that Tom Hanks did with Philip Seymour Hoffman? Do you remember that? Where he was like – where Tom Hanks was like a senator – like a southern senator that um, was kind of... Oh, it was, the, it was the Aaron Sorkin movie. Aaron uh, Sorkin? Yeah, Aaron Sorkin wrote it. He was it. kind of messing with the system to try to... Charlie, Charlie Wilson's Charlie War. Bucket. Charlie, Charlie Wilson's Charlie War. Charlie Wilson's War. Good film, and one of the best things Philip Seymour Hoffman ever did. Yep. I thought. I thought he was great in that. And there was another one that I couldn't think of the name of. It's, it's him and... Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman and oh, who plays his sister? Laura Linney plays his sister. Oh, that's a great. You know one. what I'm talking about? I do. Part of the movie, he's wearing like a neck brace. Yeah, yeah. And he's such a good movie, and they're so good in it. There's yes. no histrionics. See, like when I saw when I would see Hoffman in Mission Impossible Three and turn on the histrionics and the tough guy stuff, it was hard to buy. You know, when he played, you know, Brent in in uh, in Big Lebowski, I bought it. You know, there are certain things that he did that I bought, certain things I didn't think he was, you know, quite as, you know. But when he's playing like a, a, a rumpled kind of politician or, um, you know, FBI agent or something, whatever, CIA guy, whatever he did in that movie, I think he's good because he looks beleaguered all the time. Yeah, I, I thought he was fantastic. You know, the, the first time I really feel like I came aware of him, even though, you know, I saw Lebowski and I saw Scent of a Woman and stuff, but was his character in Boogie Nights. Yeah, yeah, that creepy. That, that moment where he makes a pass at him and it fails yeah. and he just goes out and he's weeping. It's just like I'd never seen that sort of sort of raw emotion yeah. uh, on film. That there's just like you, you felt like you weren't supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah, that was because <laughs> he was just kind of this derpy character that kind of walked around and, Hey, have everything going good this time? Can you need help on this movie? You know, he was, he was like a grip on the movies or something. Yeah, he wore like really tight, really ill-fitting clothing, <laughs> short shorts. And I think he was showing Mark Wahlberg his car or something. Yeah, yeah. And then just starts making out with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's... Savages was the Laura Linney film. Was it called Savages? The Savages. The Savages. Yeah. That is yeah. a good movie. It really was, yeah. And I, and I, and I, don't, I don't remember all the details. I don't remember how it ends, but I remember it being grateful that it wasn't like you know everybody dies at the end kind of thing. Like I think <laughs> I think there was kind of an uplifting sort of an ending, but but they were great in it. They yeah. did a great job. Um, and then we come to Prisoners. Yes, a movie that I liked and wished would have gotten all kinds of nominations. Now. I'm curious to know what you think of this, but this had to be difficult subject matter, at least as a parent, to watch something like this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, not, I'm no stranger to you know, stories about people being kidnapped 
and and that sort of thing. So yeah, that that always does sort of make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was a, a great great film. Uh, a, a great cast. I thought his the, it was interesting choices with Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. You know that he had that sort of weird facial tick. Mm-hmm. And he had like the neck and the knuckle tattoos, and none of that was ever explained. <laughs> you know, I felt like there were some deleted scenes talking about his past life or, or something that. I feel like know. he's like he's always he's always checking his phone. He's got he's had this other life, you know, or he just he he's kind of the the pressure of the job has finally kind of gotten to him, and the tick he's got this tick because he's sort of always on edge between whatever personal life he might have and trying to get this stuff done and dealing with the, the human beings he deals with. That's kind of how I put it together. Like the tattoos were kind of a relief or a release from the job itself because it was so, it was so scummy. But I see, I, I found it the first time I kind of pitched it to you was like, this was not the movie I thought it was going to be. Right. When I saw that trailer, I thought it was going to be exactly what I thought it was, what it, what it said there, and then it's going to have some kids missing, and then take the matters into your own hands, and how's it going to go? And it's so much more than that. There are so right. many more layers of mystery and ins and outs, and you don't just come away with it, uh, you know, with this huge gray m- mass of morality and and wh- what you would do and how you would do things and what what's right and what's wrong. Um, you start the more you understand about certain characters, the more you go, oh well, that's a victim too. Oh, and that's a victim. You know, like wait a second, wait, this is wrong. What you're doing, you know. Yeah. Um, but man, when it came to that climax, when it came to that climax, where the where the without giving too much away, where the captain says to to Gyllenhaal, he's like, go to the house and tell the aunt what's going on that we found this. He's like, I don't want to do that. Just go to the house and tell the aunt that we found. And he goes there. And the aunt is with the little girl yeah. and he comes up behind. And when he gets her in the car and is racing down the street and it's snowing and raining, he's bloody. He's been shot in the head. He can't see out of his right eye. And that was so when that and when that finally ended, it was just like, oh, my God, I was like on the edge of my seat to get to get her there, you know, to get get to the hospital. Yeah, and I think I think Gyllenhaal was wonderful. Jackman, I thought was good. I thought everybody in it was good. Jackman sometimes veered a little bit towards. Uh, theatrical, I think, a little bit in, in some things that he that he does. But there are a couple of scenes. The scene between him and Gyllenhaal, where he says, "Did you give him? Did you give the kid a, a lie detector test?" Well, he's got the IQ of a ten-year-old. So, it's, well, how does he drive a car? That whole scene, and then when he catches him walking up the street and gets him in his cop car, they yeah. have that exchange. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. You know, because you. You don't quite know what's going on. You still don't quite know what's going on. The, the mystery, had it been only that stuff, I might not have liked it as much. But because, because it was this mystery that had been going on in the neighborhood that went back 27 years and everything had to sort of connect, um, I found it fascinating. You know, it was, it was yeah. a really intertwined script. And Paul Dano, you know, his character was just so odd and they never really explained what was what was maybe wrong with him and... You know, Melissa Leo as his aunt was she was un, almost unrecognizable. You know, we've been watching all the seasons of Treme, so we're really familiar with her. So it was just her voice. It was just like, oh wow, that's that's her. Well, that's you, but you get what's going on with the kid. Yeah. You know, at one point he says, you know, I'm not Alex. Yeah. And and but you're going, so you're freaked out. The 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 the, the camper van is parked out in front of the house he grew up in. 
That's where the kids were being taken from. So he knew right. this was happening. He was part of it. He was complicit. But what, what, what could those people have done to that seven-year-old brain over the years? What yeah. had they done to him to keep his mouth shut or whatever? The absolute mind-bending agony that boy was put through to try to get an answer, which, which he knew. He could have said where they were, but you know, is it his fault that he knows where they are and what's going on, but he can't say because either his brain is turned to mush or he knows there'll be consequences if he speaks? You know, and so you initially you 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 see the kid you know leaving the house, walking up the street with the dog, and when he, when Jackman grabs him, and you're thinking, okay, something's going on here. The further yeah. it goes on, you're like, no, he doesn't know anything. He doesn't know right. anything, and then you think he does know something, but he but you could cut him up into pieces, and he's not going to tell you because right. his brain can't work that way. You know, and it's just like it 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 brings in so many moral questions. Uh, you know, as to how this thing, and what did you think of the absolute ending? Uh, I, I thought the whole thing was, was terrific. I thought it was, it was well shot. It was well acted. Uh, and you know, it, it had so many great twists and, and yeah, it doesn't really reveal stuff, uh, until the final moments and stuff. Yeah. And, and I know what you're talking about the ending. Yeah. Uh, I just thought the screen was going to go blank. They're going to do, do it once more. The screen's going to go blank and he's going to miss it. And then he kind of just turns to the right, like, did I just hear that? And then yeah. the screen goes blank, and you're like, holy crap! Like that was a journey. That was yeah. really, that was really, and and everybody in it, you know, Terrence Howard and and uh, what's her name, Viola Davis and and Jackman, they're just Maria Bello. Yeah, they're just become animals. I mean, I just can imagine that you just would become absolute animals, uh, yeah. you know, to make this make this right. So did you get a chance to Enemies is out now his the the director's next film. Yeah, I did not get a chance last week. Okay. I wanted to get down. But it it's it's out on uh video on demand now like you can, Yeah, and it's Jillian Hall playing two parts, two roles, same director is doing this thing. So it, it looks a little creepy and weird if you enjoyed Prisoners for what it was, then definitely check this one out. Um and Prisoners by the way uh, cinematography nomination. It did get one. That's the only nomination that film got. They shot a lot through dirty windows. They did, but did you notice how unsettling they made it? They, when he goes to talk to the previous sex offenders, you never see their faces. It's right. always from the outside of a building, and it kind of pushes in toward the window, but you never get a good look at them. Um, it was very dis- unsettling the way he, where he put the camera and gorgeously shot and it had a, a sense of real dread throughout the whole thing but man i would have put that up for best picture best director best screenplay i would have put up gyllenhaal as best actor frankly really yeah or best supporting maybe jackman is best actor i don't know but i thought gyllenhaal was wonderful he he's a guy that i've never cared much about but I, oh, I thought he really brought it to this this part. Interesting, you know. Um, so good. I'm glad you. I'm glad you dug it. I didn't. Yeah. And I think. Do you saw? Am I mistaken? Did you see the new RoboCop? I did see the new RoboCop. <laughs> I have not seen it yet. <laughs> well, but I, I sort of got the sense from the picture uh, of you and Eric that at least he did not enjoy it. Well, you know, it's it's funny because 
we heard about this for so long, such so long ago, and then I eventually heard my friend Nick Shank was going to take a pass at the script, and I saw right. some early designs a year and a half ago, um, and then eventually I hear that his his stuff or his name got taken off of it, and then it went somewhere else or whatever, and I thought, oh, this is a big mess because there's too many people involved with this. But you know, Eric kind of wanted to see it, so we thought, okay, let's go. And all the initial misgivings I had was, we all know RoboCop. We all know what the gist of that. It's not just, you know, it's a cool cop doing crimes through the city, running around, he's a RoboCop. You know, it's not like that. It's, it's, um, it's a satire. The initial one. It's yeah. an extremely violent satire. And even the two weaker ones, and by weaker I mean very much weaker, um, still try to bring in the element of, of satire, you know, with sunscreen and different things. Yeah, you know, but by the time you get to the animated series, it is he's a RoboCop running around solving crime. Yeah, chasing chasing dogs out of trees. Yeah. Um, so this is just like wh- where do you find the medium? How are you gonna How are you gonna get this going? Establish his him and his family. Establish the the robot program that isn't working, and somebody hitting upon the idea. You know, we need a human in there, and then developing some machines that are going to work with humans. And then him working and then to get him out on the streets and then to, you know, see how his first things go and then have internal people that don't like him out there. And these cause trouble and all the stuff that was in the original one kind of changes personality where he's like, you know, completely different than he was and talking properly and stuff. Um, it's, just, it's kind of a Frankenstein movie. It's just kind of a it's I've always found it more sad than uplifting. All okay. stories because he's just a, a shell of a man. He's got like two pieces, um, and it was just it was just dull. It was, oh wow! Yeah, it was just dull. I mean, there were some Robocopish moments and a few little winks to the past, like I'll buy that for a dollar, sort of thing. But uh, definitely a rental. Definitely, huh. yeah, rental all the way. But it had, you know, it had some people we really enjoy in it: Samuel Jackson, Michael Keaton. Yeah. You know, the, the lead actor I always thought was very good in in the the. Yeah, Joel Kinnaman. The yeah. Ki- the uh, killing. Samuel L. Jackson is blink and you miss him almost. He's like, he's like a character that talks to the audience, you know, from a TV studio, and just kind oh, of okay. narr- narrates at different points in the film. And what do we think about this? What's happening here with this you know, piece of violence that just happened in New Detroit? You know, and then they'll cut to that, and then he's gone. But he never really interacts with anybody else. And Keaton's in it. It's good to see Keaton, of course, uh, looking, looking pretty good and doing his, doing his Keaton thing. Uh, did you read that? You did read the Esquire article with him, didn't you? I did, yeah. Wasn't that a cool thing where he's, like, throwing out names? He's throwing out names for the for – the, Guy that's writing the article saying, "Yeah, call so and so, call him, and if you call her, she'll say something good. And call this guy, and he'll give you something good." And eventually, he says, "Yeah, or Tim Burton, you should get a hold of Tim Burton." And Tim Burton's first thing was like, "You know, it makes me sad when I think about how long it's been since I've worked with with Michael Keaton. You know, I miss him. I miss those days, his creativity. You know, we really have to get something going." And then there's the rumor about Beetlejuice too, and it's like, you know, I'm sorry, but you're Tim Burton. Couldn't he? Am I wrong, or could not he pick up like the Burton phone on Monday and say, "I want Beetlejuice ready by Thursday. Let's go." Couldn't he do that? 
I would think so. And I would think someone out there has written a couple of Beetlejuice 2. They're, they're out there. They've been out spec there. scripts, at least, somewhere. I've heard about the first one was about a year and a half ago. It's like, and, and the best thing about it is you don't have to worry about your lead looking like he did back in 87. Right. He's going to fit right into the makeup and be, be exactly the guy that you want him to be. So come on, let's do it. Beetlejuice too. People would be eating each other in, in the aisles to get to. But it's interesting too when he talked about sort of when he chose to step away and why and the and and not wanting to be the Mister Mom sort of funny snarky guy. Uh, just just all that sort of piece of his thinking and, and sort of his makeup about, and you know, the, the crazy thing, he just, he lives out on like a ranch in Montana now. So this, this uh, Esquire reporter had to like go out to this small town and like meet him in a diner and stuff like that. Yeah. It was pretty quirky. He's definitely kind of left the scene behind. Yeah. You know, but it's interesting because the past few years now, suddenly he's, he's picking up more and more projects but man, he's he's been sorely missed in comedy. Uh, so I hope we can get one of those going. And he's doing that one that he's it's called Birdman. Yes. He's the alter ego of a, a classic comic movie character that he played. Yep. And the character keeps following him around town or something. Yeah. And he's also in uh, the new Need for Speed movie. The new Need for Speed movie, which I won't be seeing. Um. Yeah, is that because you is that because you don't have a need for speed? No, I've got a need for less speed. Oh, I think that Keaton movie. Now that I think of it, that could be the first. That could be the first Keaton movie I've seen on the big screen since Much Ado About Nothing. Maybe the Kenneth Branagh thing. Did you not see Cars in the theater? I did see Cars in the theater. And he did the Toy Story ones. But, you know, Keaton Keaton on screen doing a Keaton thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's been that long. I mean, I found some stuff directed DVD kind of stuff. Yeah. And he's done, you know, a couple of HBO films and things like that. HBO films. He did a great one with Helena Bonham Carter where they were, like, stuck in Bosnia or something. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. Um. Oh, and that thing, the, Larry, the Larry David one. The Larry David thing. Jeez, between between the other guys and that character in Larry David, that uh, that that movie on HBO. Jeez, he's funny. He's very very funny man. Um, what else we got? Oh, this is interesting news. Heroes coming back to NBC. Yeah, isn't that nutty? Word, that was out of the blue. I got word of this a few nights ago, and I was like, what? But I guess it's about the right time. You know, there's enough of a bad taste gone from where it went to bring it back with new characters. So they're they're talking about it being a, a mini series, a 13 episode mini series called Heroes Reborn, yep. coming in 2015. So yeah, and they're they're trying to get a couple of the cast members back. They don't know who yet, but uh, yeah, that was that was uh, that that hardly ever happens in TV. It's true. It's, it usually takes a lot longer to get something like that going. Or it'll just come back. You know, it used to happen a little bit, uh, you know, but they'd be TV movies. Right. You know, be like, oh, Gilgan's Island with the Globetrotters or something like that. Classic. Yeah, here's the Incredible Hulk with Thor. A cl- another classic. 
Yeah, so. I believe that's called The Death of the Incredible Hulk, I think. I think you may be right. Classic. Um, uh, Netflix. So there's that. There's a lot of new new shows coming back that I'm excited to see more of. Uh, the Americans started last night. We, we greatly enjoyed the first season of that. Uh, you mentioned House of Cards. That's back up on Netflix. I haven't started that yet because I know but, that will be that'll be a whole lot of binge viewing for us. Yeah, House of Cards is one of those shows that that uh, you know you're going to get some ugly faces and some ugly things that happen, and then you're going to get a lot of political. Yeah, we, we place your people over here, and then we need to get the votes over here. And we get about it. It's all manipulation. It's all sleight of hand, you know. But when you get to the nitty gritty of human lives and what's happening to them because of this this overspill from the first the events of the first season it starts to get really strange um that's all i'm going to say but get to it get to the first couple episodes as quick as you can uh before you you know hear anything i guess all right you can and then uh Han- hannibal's coming back on nbc i i really enjoyed the first season yeah, of that that was good uh, Vikings is back on the History Channel tonight. All right, that was a very interesting uh, show that we we enjoyed. And Bates Motel is back in about a week or so. Bates Motel, excuse me, I liked for the first. I think I did the first six or seven episodes. Mm-hmm. I thought it was okay. Um, Hannibal, I found more interesting. Oh, definitely. But uh, but they're picking up steam. People are digging them. Yep. So I suppose that's a good thing. Um, and then, okay, we talked about Marvel having these new Netflix shows. Yeah, but it was just announced this week that they are going to shoot them all actually in New York City. Oh, wow. It was a big, a big announcement by the, the mayor there that it's really going to build up, you know, their, their film and, and, and TV department there. So to have all that done, and, you know, it makes sense when you're doing, you know, Daredevil and, and stuff like that, the, the Luke Cage, all that stuff sort of based in Hell's Kitchen that you actually – shoot there so that's i think that's exciting yeah that netflix they got a good thing going with these series i don't think they're going away anytime soon i don't i don't think they are they're doing the right thing uh there's also a new series that's going to be on ifc is it called red road uh yeah that started this week also Which looks pretty creepy and scary and backwoodsy have you been watching yeah. um it's got the the guy that was drago in uh in uh, Game of Thrones. Yes. He's like one of the main main characters. Have you that. been watching uh, True Detective? No. Ugh. I'm telling you, the last three episodes from that, that chase, the next one, and now this one, holy macaroni. A lot of people are like oh that. Oh, my God. Best thing on television. And I'm, I'm behind on, um, I think I'm behind on Walking Dead by like two episodes. Oh, so you don't know that the Pancake Man showed up. The Pancake Man? No, I'm just making stuff up. I hope, I hope they ate his face off. <laughs> they did. They did. Um, so I need to get I need to get back on that. Um, but we should probably try to wrap this up in a decent amount of time and give enough time to something that, you know, hit me really hard in a strange way. Not because I knew this person, um, had never had the chance to meet him. But uh, everything I'd heard and read about him being just such a decent guy, and he's been a stalwart in my life since like the mid-70s watching SCTV, hearing that Harold Ramis had passed away. 
yes. was such a – if that – you know, little things are going to happen to us now where these people that were so iconic in our lives are going to go away, never to return. And yep. it's just going to happen because they're older than us and some of them are younger than us. But I mean that the, the you think they're always going to kind of be around. And uh, I couldn't believe it. It just was like, what? I mean, it just seemed – but again, it was one of those, you know, maybe he just was so out of it for so long to keep the illness quiet. He had no idea he was sick and everything. Um, and it was very sad. I thought it was very – That was, he was a good one. He was one of the good ones that just – you know, he was, he was never front and center. He was the guy that lobbed the ball from the right or the left and made every joke funnier. Yep. And or with just one liners made it funnier than the last guy. And of course, I mean, I think for us, the seminal movies are Stripes, but especially Ghostbusters. That was just on constant, you know, replay in our brains every single day. I was literally thinking about Ghostbusters when I was sleeping in, in like a sort of a waking weird dream the night before when I got the word from from my wife. And I was like, what? I was just dreaming about those guys. It's just so weird. Um, so that's really, really sad that we we've lost a Ghostbuster. Yeah, you know. And, and on you know, it's not quite the verge of Ghostbusters three, but it it sounded like things were moving a lot more forward with that of late. It sounded like there was at least going to be a cameo from from uh, from Ramis. Dan might Aykroyd might have done a slightly larger cameo, and then Bill was still out of it, as far as I'd heard. Uh, he was. He finally agreed to it. That's what I he heard. Finally agreed to it, and now. But it, it took so long, you know. Yeah. Now Aykroyd is saying, it, and 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 Reitman are saying it's still very much alive. We're going to do something somehow. Blah blah blah. And uh, and apparently, I didn't really know. I knew bits of this, but apparently. For some reason, Murray was kind of estranged from Ramis yes. for a while. I don't know what the what the reasoning is, because they had an incredibly successful run of movies and partnerships. And yeah, a lot of directing things. partnerships. Um, so they hadn't talked in a while. But I'd read that he and Brian Doyle Murray made their way to the house and got to spend time with them before it was it was over. Yeah, I saw that too. So. Um, that's, and the, I think it was the Chicago Times probably had the best obituary of him, really in depth. He was living in Chicago now. He's from Chicago. Yeah. Uh, you know, TMZ and you know Variety and things just kind of did a blurb with all his kind of his basics, the stuff we know. But yeah. the the one in the Chicago Times was really extensive and quite moving. Yeah, it just it just it's just sad. It's just it's just it's just strange the way it hits you that oh man, this is this is going to keep happening. You know, Leonard Nimoy is not feeling too well. He's not doing too well. Yep. You know, Shatner looks great, but you know who knows? I'm gonna one day I'm gonna hear James Garner. And it's gonna be yep. like, oh man, you know, Redford's 75. You know, McCartney and Ringo are 71 and 72. You know, all these guys we grew up with and we loved and you know idolized and stuff. It's gonna happen. So that's that to me is one of those slap to the face yeah if it's going to happen to Harold Ramis it can happen you know yep so so this one's to you Harold Ramis we uh, we both like I speak for myself I ran out and got Twinkies 
<laughs> the day I heard. And I, I woofed down at least one Twinkie. That was Bun Big Twinkie. Because if my sadness could be measured in a Twinkie, right. it would be 60 feet long, weighing approximately 600 pounds. Nice. Nicely done. So uh, so that's that's it. Farewell, Harold Ramis. Yes, indeed. On the other side. Thanks for all the laughs. And don't cross the streams. Exactly. So there you go. There's a there's a 99 bottles on the wall. But our 99th show, for God's sake. And we are diligently working all hours of the night to put together our 100th show, what it's going to look like, what it's going to smell like, what it's going to taste like, who's going to be there, etc., etc. You may have to watch the GSI page space to get more information. Right. But uh, it may or may not involve us swimming the English Channel <laughs> while trying to talk about the week's topics. I like that. Or uh, or who knows? You know, Claymation. We're talking to Will Vinton Studios. They're working on some Claymation stuff with us. Anything can happen at this point. You know? um, so stick around. We'll keep you posted. But something special, depending on what your definition of special is, <laughs> something <laughs> special will be happening for episode 100. I promise. That's true. And Daniel promises more than me. No, I don't. He does. No, it's going to be the same old thing. Same old thing, but with... with exact same thing. Accents. But we'll be singing the entire episode. That's right. And, and rhyming. That's right. Rhyming slang. Yes. That should be fine. Yeah. I'm writing it right now. <laughs> All right. Good stuff, everybody. Indeed. Good topics. Thank you. And we there's some we didn't get to, so we'll bump those over to episode 100. Absolutely. If we've got room. There's, there's more to talk about at Toy Fair, I feel like. I'm sure, I saw a lot of stuff. I'm sure you did. There's probably there's probably more to cover there. If we can get yeah. to it in our mega packed, you know, Betty White hosted episode. Oh, shouldn't have said that. What? Why did you just spoil that? Uh, Betty White hosted episode 100. Uh, if we can get to it. Well, we better hurry because she's in her 90s. If, well, if we can't get her. We've got moment shots. Oh, they're terrific. They're they're on the back burner, and uh, Waylon Flowers and Madam. He has an opening next week. Uh, I, if, I mean, if you know what I mean. Whoa! He's got an opening next week. I hear what you're saying. Get him in. That's quite a pull. Moment Johnson isn't even called Moment Johnson anymore. What are they called? Momix. Crazy paper towel people. <laughs> no, Momix. Moment Johnson is now called Momix. Yes. Moment Johnson is better. All right. It's a better. It's a better name. All right. All right. Or we'll get uh, Slim Goodbody. He'd be a good host. He's still around. He was on. Uh, he was on an episode of Oddity. He's got a body made. This, this got a body made for podcasts. <laughs> he really does. You want him? Maybe we'll all wear those jumpsuits during the podcast. You want him in your studio talking about his body? Yes. All right, my friend. Well, have a have a good week. We'll be speaking soon, and we'll be coming at you with a, a marvelous 100th episode. For a 3D podcast. Yes. Yes. Thanks, everybody. Stay. Stare with your ears. <laughs> All right, bye. Shiny. Let's be bad guys. I know Kung Fu. Show.
depths of nature's deepest mystery.